Good morning. He's worthy, isn't he? I want to start out by saying thank you. Many of you provided uh, food, casseroles, and uh, many of you came and met us at uh, NC State to work with the Bridges Program for, with international students this past Friday. So thank you for those who helped. Thank you for those who cooked and brought food. Thank you for those who were praying for that. It was an amazing experience, and it was great. And uh, even hearing feedback for someone who is um, on staff, or actually someone who's connected with staff at uh, NC State with the uh, crew, um, was really just impressed with the amount of food and the, um, the, those who were serving, and just how the flow was. It just worked out great. And so, thank you for these type of things to do ministry as God is bringing people from around the world that we might be Jesus to them is an amazing thing. So thank you for that. Um, if you have a Bible, um, please open up as we continue in the upper room discourse. We're in John 14 and uh, we're going to begin John 14 beginning with verse 15. We're actually skipping over a, 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 a section that Pastor Tom is going to um, talk about in, in weeks to come, but uh, with the introduction of the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. It's so good. So John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you Forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who has sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Lord God, thank you for these words of Jesus that uh, helped the disciples start to understand. They're still confused, but helped to understand who you are and in you sending uh, the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would be with us this morning as we look into your word. I pray that you would be with me, renew my mind with the mind of Christ, that uh, you might illuminate this scripture for us this morning. Would you be glorified 
In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've ever gotten recommendations. I recommend this pizza place, or I recommend this book to read. Um, Say you're going on a a trip somewhere, going to Boston or something, I don't know, visit your cousin, and you say, you know, while I'm up there, do you recommend any places I should eat? Or do you recommend anything I should see or or, or sights to see? And, And people will make recommendations of what they think you, you should do, and then you know when you're done, hopefully you, you, maybe you've taken some of the rec- recommendations and some you don't, and when you do, maybe you leave a Yelp review or whatever. Those are recommendations. The, the section here, specifically, Jesus is not making recommendations. He, he's giving promises. He's giving promises to his disciples. These disciples, he says, I'm going away. They don't fully understand what that means. They're troubled. What do you mean you're leaving us? And he doesn't just give them some recommendations, take it or leave it as you would. No, he's given them promise, promises. The section is written for the disciples, and, and, and they're in this, this, this living in a world of trouble, and God doesn't give recommendations. He gives promises, and, and, and these promises ring true for us today because he's given us his Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing. If you look at verse 15, It starts out before the introduction of the Holy Spirit, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then in verse 23, kind of talking more about that, Jesus answered them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love them. Notice these are contingent on us loving Jesus. These are promises for people who love Jesus. Do you, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? And if you don't, know that Jesus loves you. If you do, if you love Jesus, he's given us these promises for those who love Jesus. And it starts with, you will start living in a way that you're meant to live. You'll, you'll obey my commandments. That's just what you will do. John, who wrote the Gospel of John, you know, earlier, he's one of Jesus' disciples. He's Jesus' closest friend. And he's writing that we would know him, that we would trust him, that we would, we would love Jesus. And so you go at the very beginning of the book of John and he talks about creation and how Jesus was the creator. And so in John 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was a light to all mankind. 
So, so Jesus is creator. He, he's there in the beginning with creation, and, and creation was good, and it was right, and creation was beautiful. And that's how we are created. That's how we're made, that we are, are, are made to walk with Jesus in the light. John says over and over, well, that we would walk in the light and experience life with God. But of course, quickly we resist that. And so if you read chapter 1, just a couple of verses later, 9 through 11, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So here's what John is really talking about through the whole gospel, that there is a way of life. There is a way of living in the light. There is a way of joy. There is a way of peace. And we have turned from it. We are prone to wander, right? We've turned from it. And so we have this darkness because of our evil deeds he talks about. And as a result, we, we all have all sorts of, of baggage and brokenness. John is trying to point us through Jesus' teaching of who he is. Because Jesus has come to show us a better way. To live in the light. A, a way of love and of sacrifice and of blessing. So that the good news, if you love him, you'll obey him. If you love Jesus and understand who he is, you're going to follow that way of life, of light. It doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly, right? But hopefully, the more we fall in love with Jesus, we may not do it perfectly, but hopefully we are doing it increasingly. If we love Jesus. He says, you will keep my commands. He doesn't say that you, you could or you should or you might. No, you will. You'll keep my commands. It's a promise. That, that over time, when you love him, you become more and more like, like Jesus. You become more and more like God created you to be. There's this connection between love and and obedience. Because think about it. What do you get if you just have love and not obedience? So, so you love God, but you don't obey him. One commentator says that's when you get sentimentalism. If you don't obey God, but you love him, it's just sentimentalism. Think about it. Think about it with your relationships, or if you're a parent, think about it with your relationship with your kids. And you say, I really need you to do this. I need you to clean your room. And the son or daughter says, Daddy, I love you, but no. I mean, we have a problem here, right? How can you say you love me and not obey and do what I've told you to do? 
You're saying you love me, but you're not doing it. That's just sentimentalism. That's not a great relationship. I have good thoughts of you, Daddy. I have good thoughts of you, God. I'm just not going to do what you asked me to do. That's, that, that's not a, a relationship or a, a good relationship, right? Hey, what if you flip it? What if you just have obedience and you don't have love? If you just have obedience and not love, this same commentator says that's slavishness. You're just being a slave. You're, you're kind of like a Pharisee. They were loved trying to, uh, to follow the rules, but there wasn't much love in their, their hearts. <laughs> now, if you're a, a parent of a toddler, I mean, you'll take it, right? I don't care if you love me right now. Put your shoes on get in the car. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but hold that, Will. It gets harder because then they grow up. And when they're teenagers and, and tweens, they may do what you ask them to do, but there's not a w- lot of warmth there, right? And, and that's not good either. And hopefully it's a phase and they'll grow out of it. But, but, but you think about this in our relationship with God, th- those don't, th- that's not what God wants in a relationship with us. Just, we're not just obedient machines just to do things for God. He, he wants a relationship with us. It makes sense. If we love him, we're going to obey him. We're going to listen to him. He's pointing us in the way of life. He's not a killjoy. So when we begin to live the way that he's created us to live, he gives us peace in that. Because it starts with love. If we truly love him, that's where it starts, and then that's the promise, right? It starts with love. Because if you love Jesus, you're going to start caring about things that Jesus cares about. If you love Jesus, you're going to want to start being engaged in the things that, that he's doing in and among us. It just starts to naturally flow out of you, and it starts with love. Love is the issue here, and it starts to flow out. He's saying, guys, I know, I know you're troubled. I know you're troubled. I'm, 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 you're worried about me leaving, but I'm going to be closer than ever. He's given promises, assurances here. Think about it. The Old Testament, God would speak... I would speak through the prophets and different things. And then the New Testament, we have Jesus, and, and Jesus comes closer, and he's alongside. And, and, and now as Jesus says, I'm leaving, but it gets even better, because the Holy Spirit is going to be with you and inside of you. So, so God is, is getting closer and closer and closer. Because God is a personal God that wants to know you and he wants you to experience and know him. We serve a personal God that wants to know us at the deepest level. 
And, and, and there's a little phrase, if, if, you're, if you're obedient and you, you follow me, that's when I'm going to pour out my love for you. My favor and my blessing. Obedience leads to favor and blessing. As you walk with me and, and, and what I'm doing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up. You're going to sense me. You're going you're gonna to sense my presence. You're going to say, how's your walk with God? He is with me. He's directing me. I sense his presence and I love it. Do we love him? So then we look at this introduction to the, the Holy Spirit. And, and it's a brand new thing for these guys. They're wondering what he's talking about. For, for some reason on my Instagram feed, I'm, I'm getting these videos that, that are old videos. One of them is Bill Gates and, and the team are trying to, they're introducing when Microsoft Windows first came out. And it's pretty funny, like what they're wearing. And it's just, they're goofy. Like they're, they're dancing on stage like, yeah, it was a cool thing, but they, it's just funny to watch. And for some reason, I'm getting those videos that keep coming. And then there's a video of, of Steve Jobs. And, and Steve Jobs is introducing the iPhone for the very first time. They're about to roll out the, the iPhone, and Steve Jobs is on this big stage, and the audience, and it's packed. And he's blowing their minds. He, he's saying, you know, you, you had an iPad, you had a phone, and, and, and we're going to have a, this little mobile internet unit. And people are like, whoa. Are you, what, are you, how? Like, what does that look like? And then he, it's on the screen what he's doing in his hand. He's holding it, and he goes to the Maps um, app, and the map shows up, and, and he's pinching it and then expanding it. And they're like, whoa. I mean, they're laughing, they're cheering, they're like, we have never seen anything like this. He's like, yeah. You had the iPad, or excuse me, you had the, the iPod, you have a phone, and you have a computer. We're putting it all together, and it's going to be brand new. And they're just like, whoa. A little bit about what Jesus is doing here. They don't fully understand it. They've never sensed it. They don't even know what that means, but he's trying to pull it together and say, this is going to be incredible. You've never experienced anything like this. You, you already had me. You, you know God the Father, but I'm bringing something brand new, and it's going to be better. It's not a downgrade. I know I'm not going to be here personally. You're not going to see me personally. It doesn't mean it's a downgrade. It's actually an upgrade that you will have union with God himself, union with the Holy Spirit. And he starts to introduce what this is going to be. So what I want to talk about the rest of the time is two questions. Who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? And what will he do? Who is he? And I just briefly want to do a little refresher of the Holy Spirit. We could talk 10 weeks of sermons on the Holy Spirit and everything he does and all that he's about, but I just want to do a little refresher to remind us of a couple of things that uh, the Holy Spirit is. And first of all, the Holy Spirit is 
a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not some cosmic, uh, mystical, spiritual force. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can teach, can guide, can comfort. The Holy Spirit gives understanding. The Holy Spirit can speak, convicts of sins, and gives gifts. The Holy Spirit is a person. Not only that, but the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is a him, a he, not an it. It is a, he, he is a, a he. John 14, 17, Jesus is speaking. He says, he's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be with you. Notice the language here. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. He is a person. So we, we call him the person of the Holy Spirit. So it's important that we don't have this, this mindset of a mystical force, or that's, I, I don't, don't really like, we, we used to call the Holy Ghost. No, I get what. Why they came to that conclusion, but no, the, the Holy Spirit is a person. So when we think of Him as a person, we can know Him personally. It's an important aspect of the Holy Spirit. Number two, He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He is part of the Godhead, the Trinity. He's the third person of the Trinity: God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One example of this, and one of many examples of seeing the triune God, we see it in Acts 5, verses 3 and 4. Then Peter said to Ananias, How is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? So notice that. He's lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it long, didn't belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to human beings, but to God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit, and therefore you have lied to God himself. The Holy Spirit is God. One more verse that I'll just read, one of many that talks about Holy Spirit being God is Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is part of the, the, the triune God. He's just as much of the Godhead as God the Father and God the Son. And quickly, lastly, in the Holy Spirit, He is He's our friend. Holy Spirit is my best friend. Friend, Paul gives a benediction at the end of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. It says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, and the love of God, 
and the fellowship. What is fellowship? We have, we have community. It's an intimate friendship. We, we, we commune. So we've got Jesus. We've got God. And the fellowship, this intimate relationship of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. God is a person. Or excuse me, Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is a friend. Many other things we could talk about the Holy Spirit, but we've got several weeks in the discourse where the Holy Spirit is continuing to be talked about. So look forward to that. What does he do? What does he do? And I'm just going to look at the verses here in this, these verses, because like I said, in, in weeks to come, other pastors will be talking more about the Holy Spirit and what, what the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. But as you read chapters 14, 15, and 16, and Jesus is talking about the introduction of the Holy Spirit five different times. He uses the phrase, he will do, and talks about what the Holy Spirit is come, coming to do. I'm going to look at three of those today in these verses. The first is, he will be with me. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Now it's interesting when, when you know, translators are, are putting this word Holy Spirit and, and here advocate into English, we, just, we, do, we don't have a word that just equates to the Holy Spirit. And so you have several different mentions of, of different words talking about the Holy Spirit. The actual word is, is paraclete, or parakletos, uh, meaning someone who is called to be by your side. It, it's a paraclete. It, it's someone called to be by your side now and forever. So this word parakletos, they would use in literature at times as well. If you were to pick up a, a, a log, let's say, and you need someone else to pick up the other side, that other person would be a perkaletos. They, they would pick up the other side. So in other words, everything that you go through in life, he wants to pick up the other end because he is with you. He wants to be with you. Not just for church services, Although he's with us here, he's next to you. But when you leave this place, he will continue to be with you. One who is called to be by your side. That's his role. He wants to be with us and in us. Jesus says, I'm going to send someone and he will be, here we see, advocate, as I said, different translators will use different words. One translation says, I'm sending you a helper. He's the one that helps. Get a good picture of that in the Old Testament, Psalm 54. God is my helper. He is the upholder of my life. It's a pretty neat, good translation. God is our helper. He upholds us. Here we see advocate as you probably know that's a legal term to someone that will plead your case. 
The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to plead for you on your behalf. Some translations um, we see as friend, our intercessor, our counselor. King James Version says, I'm sending you a comforter. If you've ever been grieving and someone comes to sit by your side, just their presence, they may not even say much or, or do much, but just their presence gives you comfort. And they may leave, but just because they've given you some comfort, you can keep on going. That's who God is. Anyone want a comforter in their life? I do. Someone that will comfort. I mean, how, how many of you have a comforter on your bed? Maybe not now because it's warming up, but anyone? Comforter on your bed sometimes? You know what a comforter is? Because I've learned some things. I grew up in a, a house of all boys, right? When I got married, I learned some things that I did not know before. That there is a difference between a bedspread and a comforter. A bedspread is, is thin, and a comforter is thick. Uh, so we get married, and we have um, some, some wedding gift money, and I said, okay, let's go buy a comforter. And so, you know, I love those stores because they have the displays, and it's like, whoa, that's a comforter. And that's like pillow goodness. Like, let's get that one because it's, like, it's like that thick. I'm like, just to sit in that thing and have naps, like, but it doesn't match anything. Okay, let's keep looking. So, you know, as we're looking at these different comforters, and then we find the one that matches and take it home. And like, seriously, it's, it, I love that word, pillow goodness. It's sitting there. I'm like, every nap I have is just going to be fluffed. Like, you just lose yourself in the midst of that, that comforter. And so we put on the bed. It looks nice. And then I get ready to go to bed. I'm so excited. And the comforter's not there. Where'd the comforter go? You don't sleep on that. It's for looks, not for use. I'm <laughs> like, what does that mean? And I've come to find out that there's a lot of things in our house that are just for looks and not for use, right? I mean, there's guest towels. There's certain plates. Keep it in a, a glass cupboard and we can't use it. Anyway, <laughs> I, I just wonder how many of us have a comforter, uh, the comforter, and he's just for looks and not for use. That we know about him, we love to talk about the little bit we know about the Trinity. Of, oh, of course, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. We sing in the doxology, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We, we love to at least be aware of the Holy Spirit and that he is there and he's important, but do you know him? Do you spend time getting to know the Holy Spirit in your life that lives inside of you? He is the one of three that is in you. 
God is in heaven. Jesus is on the right hand of God. And the Holy Spirit is with us and in us. And he wants us to be aware of his presence. Interesting couple of verses in Acts 19. It says, when Apollos, Acts 19 verses 1 and 2 when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road to the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We, we have not heard of the Holy Spirit. I hope that's not the case for us. Not only have we not just heard of him, but are, are, are we aware of his presence in our life? Are we in tune to the, the Spirit in our life? Jesus is saying, I'm going away, but it's going to become a lot more intimate. Earlier in chapter 14, remember the, the disciples were worried about Jesus leaving and, and, and death, and he's saying, hey, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a dwelling for you to be with God one day. New heavens and a new earth. I'm preparing this place for you to, when you're with God. Now, it gets better. Not only that, but right now, I'm preparing a dwelling place in you for God to dwell. Isn't that incredible? Verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. I don't know if you've ever helped someone move into a new house. I actually kind of enjoy it. Only because of the camaraderie that happens with those who are helping, and you just—it's—it is just kind of fun project to do together. You're working on it, and you always kind of bond with those who are are helping. But it's—it's it's also good to be when you're done helping them move, right? You—you—you you, you finish the job. You know, the last box comes into the house, and it's like, all right, now. <laughs> Now it's your mess. You know, I'm out of here. And there's boxes everywhere. And, and there's just things everywhere. And you're like, see ya. It's, it's, now it's up to you. And, and it, it's great. But the amazing thing is you, you help that and you see the, the disorganized mess that happens right when you move everything into the house. And then, you know, three or four weeks later, maybe they invite you into their home or for... Our, our sake, you know, someone in our small group recently did this. They, had, they were done in like two days. But most people, it's like, you know, three or four weeks and you go back into the house and things are in place. And it, it's comfortable. It's, you got pictures on the wall and you got comfortable places to sit. And it just, it's, it's, it's homey. God is going to make our home in us. And when he comes into our lives, we're a mess. There's a, there's a lot of things to unpack. 
There's a lot of renovation that needs to happen. There's a lot of paint that needs to be, be taking place to beautify. And it doesn't happen overnight. But it happens over the course of our whole life. That he is preparing this beautiful, comfortable dwelling place for God. And, and, and he, he brings in, it's not temporary, and it's not... We don't have to earn it, but it's there. It says he will be with us forever. So he will be with you and he will be in you. Secondly, he will teach you all things. We see that in verse 26. He will teach you all things. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. If we back up to verses 16 and 17... It, it, it says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And then it gives him another title, the Spirit of Truth. So basically, in this section, he gives the Holy Spirit two titles, the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Truth. He is the Holy Spirit, which one writer says he, he has come to holify us. He, he's come to holify us, to, to make us holy or whole like Jesus, the one he comes from, the holy one. New, New Testament writers talk about this over and over, right? That when the Holy Spirit comes, he begins to change us. He, he begins to make us holy. He begins to make us whole and we become more and more like Jesus. The New Testament emphasizes when the Holy Spirit comes, he goes to work with us and in us to make us like the one truly whole person who ever lived, which is Jesus. We see in Galatians, Paul is talking to the Galatians in chapter 5, and he's, he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit when the Holy Spirit dwells in us and it's working on us. It's given us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's, he's making us like Jesus himself. He's holifying us. But then the other title is the, he's the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth who Jesus says will guide you in all truth. That we, we don't have to find truth on our own. We don't have to try to find truth on our own. We don't have to try to figure out truth on our own. Which really is a, a blessing, especially right now. Doing ministry now, living the Christian life now. In this time in history, upholding Christian values, our world's a mess. Trying to figure out what's right and wrong. And, and, and so many things are, are vying for this is the truth. And, this is a, and, and here we are, we're trying to figure out what do we do? How do we respond to these things that are not of God? And when we do, we're called bigots and we're, we're, people don't like it. What, what do we do? How do we do that with grace? How do we stand up for living for God? We lean on the Holy Spirit who will guide us in truth. 
But it's still hard. Yeah, it is hard. But he gives us guidance. He gives us truth. And he also empowers us. But we can't do it if we're not in Scripture too, right? We, we need the Scriptures and we also need the Spirit of truth who is revealing Scripture to us. One of the main roles of the Holy Spirit is to guide us in truth. We call that revelation. We read the scriptures and he illuminates, he brings to light the truth of the, the scriptures. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He illuminates what it means. And you've probably sensed this. You've read a verse a, a hundred times and then you read it one day and it's like, whoa, there's this aha moment. I needed that right now. I needed that today. That's the Holy Spirit illuminating, working inside that you might find that, that truth. It, which is where, and, and, and it comes alive in you. Isn't that where we all want to get to when we study scripture, right? We want to get to that place where it's illuminated. It becomes something inside of us that we live that out. We don't just study scripture and say, oh, that was, that's a lot of good information and, and that's neat for them. I mean, yeah, we, we want to study the context. We, we want to understand the original audience. That's part of it. But we, we want to get to this place where the Holy Spirit brings a revelation. It comes alive inside of us. Verse 26, the advocate, the paraclete, the helper, the comforter. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father sends in my name, he will teach you all things. And then lastly, yeah, so the next part of this verse, he will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all that Jesus had said. Jesus is not going to be there anymore in, in bodily form. He's going to be absent, absent, but the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance everything that he taught. Most who write about this believe that primarily he is talking about the disciples, specifically those who wrote the Gospels. Jesus said a lot of things throughout his three-year ministry, and the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the one living inside of them, is going to, this promise that the, this one that's coming will help you to remember everything that I taught. And they will be able to pass on what he said, what he taught. So this upper room discourse that we're going through, John 15 through 17, is a fulfillment of that promise. Jesus made a promise to the disciples and now John has written these things that he said and we're reading it's a fulfillment of the promise. The spirit of truth helped John remember but also inspired him as he wrote these, these words. Same is true with other discourses that we read in, in the book of John. The, the bread of life in, in John 6, the good shepherd in John 10, fulfillment of the promise that I will help you remember what I taught. The parables in Luke, parable, parable of the prodigal, the, the good Samaritan, fulfillment 
that we read these things that we might remember what Jesus said because he allowed them to remember what Jesus says. The parables in, in Matthew, parable of the sower, the mustard seed, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7, the Holy Spirit allowing them to remember and inspiring them the Holy Spirit inspired them to write and remember. And then that Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit, when we read, illuminates what was written that we might be changed. They were inspired to write exactly what the Holy Spirit, God, wanted. And so the, the, the Bible doesn't just contain the Word of God. No, this is the Word of God. There's a big difference in those things. It doesn't just contain it. It is the word of God. So when you're reading through the book of John, you're, you're reading the, the gospel of John by the Holy Spirit through John. When you're, when you're reading the, the, the gospel of Luke, what you're doing is you're reading the gospel according to the Holy Spirit through Luke. It's an amazing promise that we're today able to read the words of Jesus because of this promise that he would bring about remembrance. And that Holy Spirit speaks to, I don't know if you've ever had this, the Bible's on the shelf or on the table and it's almost like it screams out, read, pick me up, read me. I want you to remember what Jesus taught about. The Holy Spirit is active. Are we paying attention to the Holy Spirit? You know, I think about some of these Old Testament characters like Moses. And, and, and Moses who walked up the mountain and received the Ten Commandments. So he saw a burning bush. He saw the, the sea part. He saw manna being delivered each and every day. Or Elijah, fire coming down from heaven. It's like, I, I, I can't wait to get to heaven. And just to sit down with these guys and say, God, what was that like? like when, you, when the water is split, like, could you see fit? Like, was it a wall? Like, that was amazing. But I'm thinking these new te or Old Testament characters like Moses, Elijah, several others, who experience these great things of God. I think they're going to come up to us and be like, no, you tell me what it was like. You had the Holy Spirit every single moment of your life teaching you, inspiring you. He never left you. What was that like? Do we understand? Do we tap into, recognize, and, 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 and allow the Holy Spirit in our lives to give us direction, inspiration, and these things. What a great gift. Let's pray to our great God. Lord, thank you that you love us. And even as I spoke, just the, the reality that you are God that got closer and closer and closer. And you, you, you want to know us. You want us to know you that you were so in love with your creation, and even though we walked away, that you would give us a promise of the Holy Spirit 
to continue to help us to live and, and know you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would be active and alive. And would you allow us to be attuned to the Holy Spirit's nudging? God, we just thank you. We're, 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 we're grateful people because of the awesome presence and gift of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.